0: You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by Habseyesontheprize.com. And
1: we're back with number two of the top 25 under 25, and we're joined by none other than Mark Dumont from Montreal Canadians. It says a lot saying that. I think it's great, Mark. Thank you for doing this.
2: Thanks for having me on, guys. Although I noticed last year you got me on for the number one, and now I'm dropping. I'm dropping to number two in the podcast. That's well, we got you I'm on disappointed. For the whole list last year, right? So yeah, no, you are right. Yeah, actually, you know it's funny? Because I was, um, I was listening. I went back and I listened to it just to see what we were kind of saying there. And we were debating whether Kut Kanemi or or um, uh, Suzuki would be number one this year. And and you know, the guy that made the biggest push, even though he finished second in your vote, was the guy we're going to talk about. And that's Cole Caulfield.
1: And, and let's face it, you, you made an amazing interview with Cal Caulfield uh, last fall. I think it was when, when he
2: joined, um, um, college. When he was going to, yeah, yeah, Wisconsin. Yeah. It was yeah. going into year two with Wisconsin. Yeah. I had a, you know, what's funny guys. He's, he's, you know, he comes off as a little bit of like a hockey bro. Like most of these guys do. Um, he's a hockey nerd. You know, before we get into the specifics, there are very few players in around the world, and we can say he's an NHL player now, but that study as much tape as Cole Caulfield, and I think that speaks to his desire to want to be elite. You know, all he's ever been told his entire life was that he, this guy can't, you can't compete. You're too small. You you depend on Hughes. You only score in on the power play. You only score because the schedule's easy. Well, I mean, this guy has dominated at every level, and it's not just because he has that elite talent. Yeah, it is, but he. Has a focus on improving himself. So I, uh, you know, we had a tiny taste of Cole Caulfield, and the great news is there's 20 years left. 20 years left to see what he can do in the NHL. Uh, uh, hopefully, he doesn't get oversheeted.
1: I was just yeah. gonna say that.
2: Yeah. Well, this when's this podcast coming out? In, in two weeks' time, more or less. So we know. Okay, we know so the then answer. let's record two. Okay. <laughs> oh my god! I can't believe the Habs let him walk. What a crazy <laughs> decision. <laughs> oh my God. I can't believe the Habs matched the offer sheet. What a crazy decision. All right, cool. We're done. <laughs> we can move on from that. Yeah, no, it's, it's,
1: it's um, not, not to drag that one out too long, but yeah, Carl Caulfield, uh, I think they will everyone sign him expected to-
2: very quickly. And I'll tell you this right now, they're not going to, you know, obviously when you you hit a certain level of talent and I'm not trying to disparage cut but guys like Suzuki and Caulfield, um, it won't be a debate, and that's, I'm not trying to disparage Kanemi here, it's just that we know that they have that elite elite talent, which we haven't seen in Kanemi. so those guys trust me, will be signed up long before an offer sheet, hopefully, hopefully you know, hopefully no one's dragging this up in a couple of years and, and dunking <laughs> on me, but uh, I have no no, no fear for those two guys whatsoever
1: uh, there, there are players that uh, you will go into negotiations early, and there are players year, yeah, where you exactly. might drag like, I wouldn't
2: bit. be surprised, what, what are we on Suzuki? This is the last year of the ELC, right? yeah Yeah. i have to uh you know actually you know it's funny because i i haven't been i only heard about the cooking offer sheet like two days ago yeah you you seem to
1: have been on a great vacation
2: oh i just i've just been you know (sighs) i love my job and i'm not trying to disparage anything again um so i'm going to do my usual preamble and caveat before i say anything but when you live and breathe hockey, and that's all you do all the time, and it's something that you love. But it turns into a job; it kind of loses its luster a little bit. So I can't spend all summer on Twitter um, arguing and talk- no, not just arguing, but you know, talking hockey. I need a break. So yeah, I just go camping. You know, I've seen lynx this summer. I've seen river otters. Uh, you know, this summer I've seen bear. I've seen moose. I've, I've, you know, there was a family of links in one of the spots that I went for a week. I had no internet either, which was amazing. It was just me, a campfire, a lot of bourbon. Um, I sprained my ankle literally the first day as I was climbing up the hill. But, uh, I think the key here is you need to disconnect once in a while. And that's kind of what I did this summer. I just need to get away from hockey because there are so much like hockey is so important. And, and we saw the healing power of it last summer, especially during the Canadians playoff runs, like the, the, the smiles returned to Montreal, but I'm going to follow Ken Dryden's advice and take a break in the summers from here on in. And that way I will renew my love with it. Like it's starting. Don't forget guys, I went with the athletic and when they dumped me unceremoniously and then I jumped in with the Canadians, it's been two years essentially that I didn't have a break. Right. So I decided, fuck this. I'm going to go fish and hunt and just kind of talk to myself. You know what I mean? Give my brain a minute to think and and, and observe and, and kind of figure out where I want to go here next. So like, I love my job with the Canadians, but I'm loving my summer on the lake. So, yeah. What, so I just found out two days ago, essentially. Sorry, what was that, Anton? I was just going to ask, what did you hunt? Well, there's right now um, in season is deer. So we're just going to leave it at that. Uh, right. But earlier bear just finished. Bear hunting just finished. So we uh, we tagged a couple bears. And now wow. before anyone gets upset, um, there are too many bears in Canada right now. The government is encouraging us to hunt them. Uh so that's just kind of called a call and this is all agreed upon by environmental experts uh, that there are too many deer and too many bear right now and those are that's exactly what I hunted. I would never hunt the lynx um, because I, I'd get hunted before he would hunt me uh, but uh, yeah, so I took out, I got you know a nice freezer full of meat right now Alright um, dinner at Mark's tomorrow, right? Yeah, for some bear and actually I gave most of my bear, I'll tell you something right now guys, I um, we, uh, it's mostly black bear here right yeah. and um it, it's not good like, like
0: i was gonna not... say there, there can't be much fat on a black bear like well, I mean, it's all muscle right
2: well here's the thing it's all greasy muscle so i don't know if you guys i know that um patrick you you've had a lot of venison and wild meat I, i'm pretty sure i don't know what you anton but there's some i haven't had beer like that well bear sure. is greasy now here's the best part here's the best part of it. You can go look this up and uh, on online. And I love how we started with Caulfield. Now we're talking about bears, but, um, <laughs> if they eat enough berries, they're actually, um, marinating themselves. I'm not even yeah. joking. Like if they're in a berry patch, if they're in like a blueberry patch for three weeks and you, you, you shoot them, which we use a crossbow to do, um, they taste like berries. <laughs> it's like this greasy, but it's very greasy. Any hunter will tell you bear is very, very greasy. Um, me was more the challenge of uh, of hunting it with a with a, a crossbow that was you know you can kill anything with a gun from a mile away. I just wanted to see if I could take it out. And I know again, people will say, "Oh, it's you know terrible, blah blah." blah. You hunted an animal, and I, I understand that. However, right now um, there is an excess of bears in our forests, so this is all approved. Um, maybe not by PETA, but um will play the government. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll just say it this way. I, 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 I think I love animals more than uh, some other people that talk about how much they love animals. I, I, what I, what I kill, I eat. I eat every little part of it, and the rest goes to uh, donation for shelters. So, it's uh, every piece of the animal gets used. Indeed. Going back to coffee, though, mark. mark. Yeah. yeah. Right. I'm such a saint for killing a <laughs> for killing a wild animal and then and then giving it away. Uh, Going back to Caulfield, though. Um, no, let's talk about hunting. So what do you guys hunt? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, uh, grouse, actually, mostly. Yeah? See, yeah. That, that, so that would be like our perdri there? Yeah. yeah. I mean, And uh, I'm, I'm still... My aim for the next two winters will be to get a capicali.
2: What's a capicali? Uh, I'll show you. I don't know what it's called. in, Hold on. in I was thinking Capybara. I'm like, oh, you're getting capybara? Were you going to hunt it? Oh, Cap- well, we yeah. have it
1: in Sweden. <laughs>
2: apparently kelly is it is it like a like a little deer
1: no it's the big uh, big black forest hen, more like a turkey size
2: okay okay so is it like a pheasant no yeah okay because there's pheasants there's grouse as huh. well but here um grouse opens in uh in about two weeks actually and there's this place famous for it um it's called matawa Wait, it's not ottawa it's Mattawa. is it, and, it a famous uh, anyway, grouse you mean well, no, it's just a place where everyone goes. To. It's called Madawa Days. Everyone goes, gets drunk, dances to a statue of this guy called Big Joe Muffera, who is actually French. His name is Gros-Joe Montferrin, who is just this guy who fought with the English. And then they kill birds. So it's a very Ontario way of doing things. You get uh, drunk, you, you celebrate a guy, and then you kill some birds. We'll stop swearing from here on end. So you were asking about Cole Caulfield, right, Patrick?
1: Yeah, let's go back. Cole Caulfield. <laughs> <laughs> Um your interview, you said he's a hockey nerd, and, and I've i come across that with some of the different uh players I've interviewed as well. That they, they really go deep into hockey and doesn't really matter which league they are are looking at. They're looking at certain skilled players that they like to yeah. watch. And and did Cowfield mention which kind of players he's looking
2: at? Is it shooters? Yeah. Is it playmakers? Is it shooters now? what I found so fascinating. um, Now this was, I mean, this is at the beginning of the year. So much has happened since then. I mean, he went on to obviously Hobie Baker, you know, um, they won the big 10, a bit of a disappointing elimination in the, um, the finals, but then he went, you know, NCAA world junior medal, Stanley cup uh, final, you know, so much has happened since then. But what he said before is that he said, listen, I'm not going to score in the NHL with this shot. Um, I need to, I need to, uh, uh, you know, improve it. So it beats NHL player, uh, NHL goalies. And when he said he looked at guys like Austin Matthews, and we had a in-depth conversation about Matthews and what, what Caulfield said here is because I always found it fascinating. This is the new breed of shooters and it's going to become normal in a little bit, but for now it's those guys that have the Matthews ability to drag the shot. Um, like three inches max. But what that does is for any nerds out there is you're obviously changing the angle of attack significantly. Right. And that makes life hell on goaltenders because their brain is, Um, you know, as muscle memory at this point, you know that if a guy's shooting from a certain angle, you have to put yourself in a certain position, but he's masking that. And what I was talking about, the hands, I'm like, it's the hands, it's the hands. And he's like, look at his feet. Look at Austin Matthews' feet. And then I started looking at Austin Matthews' feet. And this is coffee list telling me this. It's like, it's all in there. And you notice he does shift his feet. He opens it up to give, you know, a feint to look like he's going to shoot, then closes it down a little bit, readjusts and opens again to have that power off the back foot. It's fascinating and that's the kind of guy that Caulfield um, has been looking at and, and, and even a guy like Joe Pavelski um, who who some people might be thinking like why are we even talking about Joe Pavelski but he's one of the most underrated hockey players or goal scorers we've had in a little while like this guy you know for a while he was putting up 40 goals almost every year you know he was getting up to 37 38 so that's another guy that uh, he emulates and I think soon the crazy part is I bet you in two three years we're going to have guys talking about emulating Cole Caulfield. But for now, I think if you're going to take someone's shot, Austin Matthews is shot. I mean, you can't repeat Connor, uh, Connor McDavid doesn't on pure godlike talent, right? Like his mother was Athena and his father was Zeus, but Austin Matthews, it, it, it's actually, there's a lot of technique involved. And um, that is more or less who he's emulating along with a few other guys. But what he said, he said, I'm watching how they're beating NHL goalies and I want to beat NHL goalies like they are. So he goes into practice uh, with his—I um, forget the name of the goalie, the Wisconsin goalie, um, Robbie. Anyways, and uh, they they practice and practice and practice those shots. And it was it was Robbie uh, Bedouin, actually Bedoun, and um, he'd always ask him like, "How can I beat you better? How can I score on you better?" And he kind of basically tweaked his shot. But all this to say is that Cole Caulfield watches the best. He emulates the best. He practices harder than anyone else I know. And he's never going to he's never gonna be satisfied with where he is. That's what I love about him. He's so focused on becoming elite um, that not only does he embrace the pressure, which, you know, I love that to him. He always says pressure is a privilege, but he's got the talent and the drive and the sustainability to get there. And when I say sustainability, I mean, like, guys, I don't want to compare him to the best in the world. But, you know, you talk about, let's say, a guy like um, Dennis Bergkamp, who would, you know, one of my favorite, uh, football players of all time. I mean, the reason he was so good is that he practiced, 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 practiced. Right? You talk about Tom Brady. The reason he's so good is he practiced. He never stopped. You know, same thing with Mario Lemieux until, you know, the cancer in the back. But he still worked harder than anyone else. And I think that's something that uh, Cole Caulfield has in him. He's not a legend, but man, does he have all the right tools and the right mental approach to become a legend? If uh, if the cards fall right for him. I have so many things to
1: to 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 break down in this. In, for in for my three minute. minute,
2: five minute rant there? Yeah. Yeah. No, but, but
1: first and foremost, I think in, in order to, to become great, you need to watch the great and you need to have a little bit of yeah. OCD or, 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 or being that um, dialed in on certain things. One of the yeah. best movies I've watched recently, and, and recently being two years, um, is Richie McCaw's movie, Chasing Great. It's about the, the all black legend the captain for the old blacks the, the new zealand rugby team and before oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. each game he sits down with his game diary more or less and, and writes down we're playing in this field uh, the corner here is a little bit wet and we're playing with this ref the ref yeah. is uh, known for taking penalties or, or calling this blah 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 etc etc and, and you know he goes through his game already and he knows what to aim for and where, what he can get away with and and what he has to look out for, before every game, the day before, he writes it
2: down. And that's that's and, and I think you'll find that trait. And obviously, you say a little more in coaches, but especially in the football grades, like let's say Sir Alex Ferguson or even uh, Arsene Wenger. You know, for the longest time, that's what they did. They they had all this knowledge you know, that vault of knowledge. And that's to give them a slight advantage, but that's what it comes down to, right? Slight advantages. So you, you that's how you become the best. It's, there's no other way. And you know what? It takes so much work though. You know, the guy that's putting all this for the all, all blacks, that took a lot of work, man. That took like a lot of work. I don't think not, not everyone's willing to do it. So um, yeah, that's what oh, I does quite
1: well. And if you do that for sports, you're going to be able to do it in, in, in business or, or whatnot. So you're going to succeed exactly. in whatever you, you you go for in life anyway.
2: Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things that plagues a lot of young players is that, listen, if you got to, if you got drafted in the first round, you're a damn good player. You've been the best player on your team your entire life. You've gotten every single minute. You've gotten every single power play. You've got all the best line mates. Your dad was probably your coach for about 10 years. And then you hit the NHL and you realize, holy, I was almost swore there. Holy, holy shenanigans. Holy shnikes. I'm not that good. Like, oh, it's you know, it's kind of like if you're the smartest kid in your class and you go to high school and eh, you're getting there and you go to university, you realize I'm not the smartest kid anymore. So it takes that level of effort. Caulfield is already the best at every level and he wants to go up that next run. So I think that's something that a lot of young guys that have coasted on their talent. Uh, yeah, but d- don't you? He-
0: Yeah, don't you think he, because he's always been the shortest guy, he's always been the guy that people say like, oh, well, I mean, you won't make it on the next level because then you're going to be too small. You're going to be, and you will have to find something else to do, basically, on the Mm -hmm. ice or like even, even, you know, just to be a hockey player at high level. Um, I think he's always had that chip on his shoulder just because of that. So every time that when he has moved up a level, I think that he has kind of, Knew, known that he needed to improve if we compare him to like another canadian's prospect for example we we had a, a podcast about joshua Roy, for example he was selected in this last draft mm-hmm. um and he was the first pick of the q draft uh 2019 obviously and um it's. I think it's more difficult when you've always been the star and you have mm-hmm. everything going for you and you have the right size and you have the, like everything yeah. looks great. You are kind of the quarterback of the high school football team, right? You have mm-hmm. the size. You exactly, have the, yeah. Yeah. But if you're 5'7 and you're a hockey player, everyone is always going to say like, well, you are not going to make it at the next level. And you therefore, you always have that chip on the sh- your shoulder and you always have the effort to compete if you want to make it. I think yeah. Alex Debrinket would probably say the same thing.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, when it comes to Caulfield, he's gotten that thrown in his face constantly, right? Because it it hasn't just been a matter of like, you know, obviously you're too small, blah, blah, blah. This kid's always been able to score. But then remember everyone saying it's because of Hughes that he scored? Like it's the only reason was because of Hughes. And then right away, he started scoring without Hughes. And they're like, wow, he can only score in the power play. Or right away, he started scoring even strength goals. Well, now it's because his schedule is too easy. And he went out and he beat a bunch of really good teams. He dominated in the AHL, dominated the NHL. Yeah, I think that's part of it, too. He will never say that. He'll never admit it. And I've asked, I've tried to pull that out of him. Like, are you trying to prove the doubters wrong? And he's more in the mentality, and I love this, it's small small difference, but it makes all the difference, is that he doesn't want to prove everyone else wrong. He wants to prove the Canadians Right. For you know because to him that is the the ultimate thing is that they showed some faith in him so he's rewarding them um and i think what what i also love in his case is that they were gonna slow play him i don't know you guys saw in the playoffs they're gonna slow play him like they do everyone else and you know what that's kind of normal but um he forced their hands and to force a club like the canadians i think takes a ridiculous amount of talent and uh, it takes a certain kind of personality too. So um, yeah, no, I'm I, I'm with you, Anton. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys again have never faced a challenge, and when it comes down to them, it's really rough to to deal deal with it. But uh, it's Kostya difficult to just... start, like you know,
0: if you've been the star and then start well, to have here, challenges here's one thing when you're I eighteen. Say.
2: It's okay. It's akin to, and I'm going to use myself as an example. I was always really smart in school growing up, obviously, got lucky because I had two very intelligent parents. So I acquired a lot of decent DNA in the, uh, uh, you know, in the IQ department, which is, you know, obviously a terrible test, but you know, you got tested young when you're a kid and you got put in all these advanced classes and I aced them my entire life. I aced them. I didn't have to try my entire life. I didn't have to try high school. Didn't have to try, skipped all my classes, literally like 90% of my classes got into universities, full scholarships, blah, blah, blah. And then I realized the biggest, biggest issue here was that i never learned how to try it's great to be the best at something your entire life and coast off natural talent but unless you're like top one percent in the world which very few people are um it's actually not a boon to be naturally good you never learn how to take those steps and then when those steps come you don't, you're so afraid to actually step up. I'm like, I, I, I dropped out of university, you know, I was like, I have no idea what to do here. I'm not ready. I, I got through my intelligence. Everyone always told me I was smart, but mm-hmm. never told me I had to try. And then once you start trying, then you actually have to reset it at the beginning. So I think that's one of the issues that happens with a lot of these guys is that they never had to try. They never had to try. And then life slaps you down life. You know, it's a nice little reminder. Hey buddy, like we're, we're, we're putting all the pools together. So you're no longer that big fish in a small pool. You're, you're a minnow. You're a minnow in an ocean. Good luck trying to survive. And, and when it comes to hockey, a lot of these guys, they're, you know, I think it's very smart to talk about it in the sense that it's an ocean because even the guys that get drafted, let's say, what, 270 or, or whatever, there's still another 1,000 guys who are fighting for those jobs with those other prospects. So, uh, yeah, having to learn how to try hard, even if you have the talent, is one of the best things that you can do. And I think, like you said, that helped Caulfield advance to the next level. Now,
1: I, I can only agree with with your experience, um, Mark, because I I, I've, I never had to study. Uh, no, nope, I, I, I passed all the tests. I, I yeah. never needed anything more than a pass anyway, except for yeah. a few courses at university, which I really, really wanted to to ace, and I aced them. And then I got yeah. into to a PhD program at University College London, which is one of the top twenty universities in the world. And yeah, uh, it's
2: a reality. I track. didn't know how to study. <laughs> so neither so. did I. I didn't know so, how to study either. And then that's, again, that's the curse of being gifted or uh, bring horror. it back. Yeah. And, and again, it's going to sound so arrogant. Um, I'm not trying to, I'm saying that I like screwed up because of this, because I didn't learn to work. I'm not trying to say that. Like I'm so smart. I'm in, in a sense, I was actually pretty stupid because I assumed that I could just coast my intelligence my whole life. Um, and then life bitch slapped me real well. So a lot of these guys, that's that, that realization, um, a lot of them fall to the wayside. Cole Caulfield will never fall to the wayside because he's obsessed with getting better, even though he had the best shot outside of the NHL. And right now I'd argue guys top five shot in the NHL right now, easily. He's still going to, right now he's working on making it better. He doesn't want it to be top five. He wants it to be, you know, to, to quote as one, um, number one, two, three, four, and five, you know, that's what Cole Caulfield wants. And yeah, obviously that's...
1: I need to push out also the, the fact that you mentioned, also, Matthews and I'm, I'm, I've had the privilege when he played in Europe, and it was my first assignment in uh, in uh, for ICI Prize, really in in Europe. And yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, was Zurich, I, right? Yeah, which I went to Zurich to see Martin Riwi and, and also Matthews because he was playing there, and he scored two goals more or less from the same angle. I was sitting straight from his from the park into the into the. It doesn't look like a tries, eh? It.
2: And and it was he made it look so simple that's why i asked caulfield once i'm like okay, hey, i'm not trying to insult you but it doesn't look like you're trying him and uh, i don't know if you watch sean farrell play for the ushl uh, chicago steel um they don't try and i'm like explain that to me and he's like what do you mean obviously i'm trying like he took it a little he didn't take it harsh but he's like well obviously i'm trying i'm like i know that but it looks like you're only giving 20 percent power and he's like well if i would up that to 90 percent power i would lose 30 percent accuracy, you know, I would lose 40% speed of release, um, and therefore, my goals would go in 20 you know, like, I was like, oh, shit, okay, so that's actually part of it. Um, you know, this idea that you need to whip it, if you just use the physics of, first of all, these sticks are, you know, it's space engineering, um, so that's why it looks like they're not trying. They could, they could force it a little harder, but these guys know that the sweet spot isn't necessarily at 100% power, and that's something Cole Caulfield is quite aware of. Don't Weber that. that. Well, that's a different generation, right? Yeah. You know, uh, that generation, they grew up playing with wooden sticks because I know it's my generation. You know, <laughs> it's funny because I'm always talking about oh, Shea Weber such an old man. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm older than him, but uh, they literally we grew up with Sherwoods. And I'll tell you right now, have you guys ever like I don't want to sound like too much of an old man, but have you guys ever skated around with a wooden stick?
1: Yeah, it's- No. No. The only okay, like I like the good old that.
2: Sherwood there, like a CCM like lumber there. No, you know, I have Patrick has, and I'll tell you right now, it gr- it grows your arm muscles. I'll tell you that right now. Um, uh, they're better for backhands. They they weigh a thousand pounds, and they, they 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 made hockey a lot less fun. But um, that's why you know he did grow up with a whole different. These, that's why I'm so excited to see the new generation of kids. I think when I see Sean Farrell take that shot, I'm like, oh my God, this is kind of become standard. It reminds me of when Josh Saint-Pierre jumped in the MMA and he was the first hybrid fighter. You know, he was destroying wrestlers. He was destroying boxers. He was destroying um, uh, jujitsu, you know, or, or, and there weren't that many martial arts that were in, in UFC back then. But because he was the first hybrid, and then 10 years later, you realize, oh crap, like he was just the first. It wasn't that he was that good of an athlete. He was, like, I mean, arguably one of the best athletes of all time uh, for the men. Uh, Canadian women are generally much better at sports, but what happened was he was just one of the first, right? So then now all the new fighters have that hybrid style. And I think we're going to be seeing that with um, hockey players. These kids are watching Austin Matthew. Like when, when, when we were coming into the league or a, a 20 year old was coming into the league 20 years ago, they were talking about guys that were 38. Now when guys come into the league at the draft, they're already talking about Caulfield. They're talking about like, Oh, I watched Mitch Marner, you know, I'm like, well, what? at the, you know, how many guys mentioned Nick Suzuki as their favorite player at the draft like that. Like Nick Suzuki, can he, I don't, he can just, just, just rent a car in in Nevada. Like that's new, brand new. And these guys that got drafted five years younger than him, not even three years younger are saying they could be um, his little
0: brother, basically. Like his little brother is literally one year older than the guys who were drafted now or like exactly they are saying. I grew
2: up watching him. I grew up watching him. So now I think that the younger guys have a little bit of an appreciation, but so we're going to be seeing a lot more of those elite shots, I think. Uh, coming up. It's not going to be guys just like Caulfield and Matthews. You're going to be seeing it from a lot of players. But it's just so fascinating what you were talking about
0: before as well, uh, about Caulfield always wanting to get better in like, you know, it's not just his shot. Now I remember like hearing last Dating. spring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, hearing last spring, for example, that, well, he wasn't maybe He wanted to compete on the NHL level already after his freshman season, obviously, just because, of course, he he would probably have been ready already last year. But the Canadians wanted to, like, make him take his time and, you know, not rush him into anything and everything. So we had to go back to a considerably worse Badgers team where he didn't have Alex Charcot, where he didn't have, like, a lot of the guys who he was playing with the year before. Uh, but just the responsibility he took for that team and how he thrived in that setting after, you know, kind of a maybe a little bit slower start. But then he just like he felt so much more complete as a player after that year when he was actually yeah. coming over to the Canadians because like and, and, and he, was- he was
2: so he was pissed about that year, too. I, yeah, I yeah, like, yeah. Hey, by the yeah. way, I, I was so excited. I'm like, hey, man, you won all these awards as a rookie. You set all these records. And he's like, I don't care we finished last in our division and that's, yeah, yeah, that's why he was so, you know, and I think we talk about things that are tangible and tangible, but his desire to want to win for his team is something that I think is contagious. We can't put a value on it, but don't tell me when you're around a guy like Cole Caulfield, that's 20 years old, that's won everywhere he's gone. He's so excited to like every minute of ice time to him is gold. You could see it in the pregame. He was like their emotional support Hobie Baker winner, you know, like Mm -hmm. he, he was so excited. And that, is contagious i've sent i, I talked to a lot of players and a lot of player wives and they're like man they love being around cole caulfield like mm-hmm. this guy is just such an, a ball of positive energy and they want to be better just to you know just to make it better for cole caulfield so it's not just him that he's improving i think it improves everyone around him
1: looking at, at obviously the playoff run and, and we all know the the goals he scored there but, but what are reasonable expectations for him going forward
2: well, I think one of the things we saw, obviously, in the playoffs, and, and again, we, just to go back to what Anton, Anton was saying, this is another thing he wanted to improve was his defense. Um, you know, we saw a guy there that, and he knew, he's like, I don't care how many goals I scored, I'm going to get dumped out of the NHL if I can't play defense. And he's right. He's right. It might not be the right way to approach coaching, but he's right as a player. He's smart enough to recognize that. And also, one of the things that he really worked on, but it was never that bad, Okay. First of all, I'm going to say two things that people were saying. He can't be a playmaker and he can't skate. Now the skating thing became such a, like it was first. Oh, he can't, you know, you guys know how it goes with the, mm-hmm. with the uh, rumors eh? around draft is like, okay, he can't, he's not a great skater two weeks later. Oh, he can't skate three weeks later. Like this guy's a peg leg pirate that roams the open seas and steals booty from privateers there. You know what I mean? Like he's missing a leg essentially. And we saw, He's not the best skater in the world, but he's so elusive. That's one of the things we saw in the playoffs. This little bugger is elusive. He's, He's, you know... It, 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 I don't know how to describe it, but holy, it's like watching a pigeon walk right under a bus. Uh, you know, a bus that's turning in downtown there. But the pigeons, you look look this up. They see life and like they see about ten thousand frames a, a second. Well, maybe not ten thousand, but they see life in slow motion. So it's easier for them to deek in and around those tires. We think, oh my god, they're gonna get crushed. They move out of the way every time. Cole Caulfield has some of that same ability, except for. The, the, the buses are big, lumber, lumbering defensemen trying to hit him. He's that little pigeon on the ice that sees everything a little faster, and he's just so elusive. We saw it. He's hard to hit. But the biggest thing for me in the playoffs was the playmaking, right, guys? Like, I mean, he was more a playmaker than a goal scorer. Now, he got unlucky. He should have scored probably two to three more goals if we're not, not even counting posts. But, man, I think the most amazing thing about his playoff run was him announcing to the world, like, I'm not just a goal scorer. I'm not just a goal scorer. And this is something that his coach... um told me a while ago, I, I completely forget. It was for the US national development team. I spoke to him. Um, what was his name? Uh, anyways, and he's saying, you know, don't uh, don't count this guy. Um, oh yeah, John Roblowski. Reblos- he's like, this kid is a playmaker. He's like, Hughes took all the attention. He's like, I would say right now, caulfield's as good of a playmaker as hughes is and i was like really can i quote you on that he's like no you cannot but it's like you like, watch him in the nhl he's so smart that he knows his pass opens up lanes that uh, oh, by the way patrick i see you tweeting right now <clears throat> um he's so smart that he opens up lanes and he can use that to his advantage and uh, become an elite playmaker and i think we saw to me that's the biggest most shocking well not shocking but encouraging thing was uh was his playmaking
1: I'm, yeah, I'm, you mentioned me tweeting, so so everyone knows what I was tweeting about. Is actually that Sweden just beat Spain in football? So yeah,
2: <laughs> disc, disc, disc. What can I say? Yeah, uh,
1: sometimes sometimes things happen and that shouldn't happen, and, and this is probably one uh, of. Them. At what
2: level, though? At what level did they beat? It's the world qualifiers. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. but Spain's it's
0: old news when when this comes out it's old news and everyone will already know that sweden is a top team in the world in football
1: oh it's only when which team are we going to play in the final now that's the only thing that matters
2: Mm. well and don't forget you know what's pretty crazy here and i love how we're going to get off off topic but canada's still in the running to qualify for the like you mean the the canadian women
1: are, are are about to qualify for the men right
2: oh yeah well I mean you know it's funny because we see that what's the name of that uh, the, the rapist there that uh, Man United sign there Ronaldo you know everyone's like oh highest highest goal scorer um, yeah no uh, highest goal score just finally won her gold medal and I'll tell you what, what, what I found so fascinating here is that I, I, I don't know about
1: this Mark I'm having hearing that there's oh. some connection problems can't hear you can you not hear me I was joking because you beat Sweden obviously
2: oh yeah okay hmm. well um I guess you shouldn't have tackled Sinclair actually I think she might have gone down a little bit but what was so cool there was that these the girls that scored the goals all grew up watching Sinclair. like imagine having that kind of impact uh, you know I think, I think, I think you could say right, right now right up there with Marta uh, you know you could probably even say she's better than Marta I, ah, ah, hard to say either way Sinclair has to be recognized as the, 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 the,
1: I'm gonna defend Marta here on the basis that what she had to struggle in respect from the Brazilian man.
2: Yes, yes, absolutely. Oh, oh my God. Now, you know, she, and she was kind of setting the stage. I For wouldn't say before woman. Sinclair, but um, no, you're absolutely right. And especially uh, in, in in South America where there's a little more bravado. Marta's still younger, I believe. Um, but no, no, she was better at, at a certain age than Sinclair was. But I'll say this right now. Um, you know, when we talk about the best players, we should be saying they're the Marta of this or the, the Sinclair of this, you know what I mean, as opposed to saying um, obviously
1: they're great individuals, both of them, we don't have to control. yeah,
2: absolutely, but they should be recognized as amongst the best athletes of all time, you know, that's the way I would look at it, but anyhow, anyhow, let's get back to let's get back to talking about another guy that maybe, maybe one day will perhaps be recognized at Christine Sinclair level or Marie-Philippe Poulin level, maybe and that's Cole Caulfield
1: you, you touched on the, um, on, on, the, on the side where there's room for improvement, but, but one of the questions is really, the chemistry is found with Nick Suzuki. Um, is, he, is, he, like, is that going to be the huge for, for, for the foreseeable future or, or will they drive each other further and, and, and more towards the top?
2: Well, yeah, there's always, it's, it's going to be mutually beneficial for, for those two. Um, I think when we look at the NHL now, this idea of having like the, the, when there was Brennan Gallagher and Tatar and then it was a great, it was a great trio, as we'd say in French, a, a really nice combination of players, but in reality, there's more duos in the NHL, um, you know, and and if you go way back, way back, you know, even though let's say Yeri Curry, Wayne Gretzky type of thing, there's always been duos in the NHL, you know, Lemieux, Jager, and then you can throw in a third. And I think that's kind of what you're going to get here with, uh, with Caulfield and Suzuki uh, is just a power duo and listen there's a reason all these players it's not just Caulfield that loves playing with Suzuki everyone play loves playing with Suzuki because he's just so darn smart I won't say that Caulfield is as smart as him however Caulfield I think he doesn't get enough credit is also a very smart player and if he wasn't he wouldn't get along well chemistry-wise with Nick Suzuki. You know, they always say it's hard to play with really good players. I don't think it is if you're a smart player. I don't necessarily think you need the talent level to play with a guy like Sidney Crosby, but you have to have the processor. You know, you have to have the computer between your your, your two ears that processes everything at a high level. That way you can anticipate. I think those two anticipate themselves at an elite level and that's what makes them so good. Also, they have fun playing together. But the chemistry, in my mind, is built on intelligence more than skill. When it comes, it was, to- I was going
0: to ask because th- that was an interesting take of you. Do you think that's the problem that the Oilers have had with McDavid for years—that they can't find anyone who can process the game the way that he
2: does? Are, so they can- is that, are you. Try- is that a is that a subtle jab at uh, Zach Cassian or no? no. <laughs> <laughs> well-
0: a subtle, just a subtle All right, job. Milan Lucic, or uh, <laughs> you know,
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: uh, but I was just gonna say, like, because like as you say it, like you don't have to have the talent level, but you have to have, have to like the enough. process beta, <laughs> you have to be smart enough. And I'm just wondering, like, because the Oilers have just thrown wingers wow. at McDavid and Drysdale, and, and it's just like it doesn't stick. It doesn't work really, and I'm just wondering like if the I Canadians so. have just hit the hit the you know the proper ign- ignition here with uh, with Suzuki and Koval coming well, through at like, the same of,
2: time. I'd love to see Yamamoto play a little bit with McDavid, but you know I'm hmm. looking at their stats. Do you guys know who their highest scoring winger was last year? Uh, uh Yes, he.
0: Yeah, I wow. was gonna ask if it was James Neal. <laughs>
2: right yeah. um no i think i think that's obviously i think when it comes down to it and um for the most part <clears throat> the canadians tend to draft intelligent players and i think that's one of the assets that i think scouts are going to be looking for more and more and it's obviously very difficult to i asked recently because i was talking to riley kidneys coach Mario Durache, and i'm like what what does that mean when you talk about hockey iq what does that mean and he's like well when it comes down to it it's you know it, let's say you're driving down a street, and this is this is what he says. This is how I interpret You're driving down the street. Your brain sees about 10,000 signs, right, telling you what to do at all times, and your brain is processing. We don't realize it, but our brains are amazing computers. They're processing at all times. There's a reason when we go to bed that we we stay up. It's because we finally stop staring at a screen for a minute, and it gives our chance, our brain to actually like, okay, what what just happened all, all day? You know, our brain is just catching up and processing. Now, when it comes down to a guy like Raleigh Kidney, I said, what makes him smart? And he says, well, you know. Uh, he makes the right decisions all the time. That's what it is, is, that they can trust him. Okay, not all the time, but like a 90%, which is huge. Because when it comes down to hockey, that's all it is, is that it's the variables. Um, you know, none of them are, uh, what's the word for a constant? None of them are constants. So what he's saying is obviously it's anticipation it's being able to know, you know, what I should do right in the decision, but it's making high level decisions that pay off more than, you know, more than, uh, more than not. And that I think obviously Connor McDavid is just a freak of nature. Like, I don't know if he, obviously he's super smart, but it's hard to tell, like if it's just intelligence. However, I would look at it this way. If you go back, uh, no offense to Philip Roberg, but um, if the Oilers who had the opportunity to draft Caulfield would have drafted him, I think he, 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 I, I honestly think he could get to hundred goals playing with, with Connor McDavid. Uh, uh, I know, uh, I know that's crazy to say, but I'll If there's honest. one guy that could do it, it'd be Connor McDavid and Cole Caulfield. Think of that. Think of those two together. Yeah. I, I'll
1: yeah, be honest, I'm, I'm one of the guys that are very low on Broberg, though. So you, you,
2: you well, I remember fire, yeah. I, I spoke to some Swedish people. I'm like, what about Broberg? And they're like, classic North Americans overrating. So, like, I've noticed when I speak to a lot of people from in Sweden, they're like, No, 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 don't not him, don't don't draft him. No, 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 no. Like, I know you guys yeah. love coming in and getting super excited about some of our prospects, but they're like, No, no, don't touch Broberg. Um all that to be said is that right now the Oilers could have Cole Caulfield for free playing on for not like playing on an entry level contract with Connor McDavid. Wouldn't that be crazy? It would honestly wouldn't like, I bet you could get 80 goals, right? Like I know a hundred sounds like a lot, but
1: (laughs) 82 goals. (laughs) Yeah. You could get one a game. Definitely.
0: Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't be impossible. That's the thing. Like, I mean, it it just sounds like I mean, it's it would be a lethal combination, and we saw the kind of goal scoring numbers that, yeah, it was at USNTDP level and everything. But we saw the kind of goals that Caulfield put up with Jack Hughes as partner,
2: who's who's like he's okay. (laughs) Yeah, he's okay,
0: and we've we've not seen Jack Hughes perform at an admirable level at the NHL yet if he had if like, he, had, now if he has, only
2: had a coffee all day
0: <laughs> yeah 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 that, that's the thing like I, I starting to wonder like in the first season when when Jack Hughes wasn't performing up to par in the uh, in the NHL obviously you know it's normal as a rookie
2: coming in and yeah. uh, struggling and yeah, everyone's and he kind he wasn't of like at least like a McDavid or a Matthews right no Let's no no exactly yeah, but yeah,
0: yeah. there was all this discussion about you know uh, was he going to go fa- first or was going to be a um and then you saw both of them struggling yeah and Nicole actually Kirby especially died. really struggled. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly but then I was just like I started to think like well what if we've just been wrong all this time what if it's been Cole Caulfield actually driving the line and Jack Hughes needing someone like Caulfield on the line because we always right? assume that the winger needs the center to produce but what if the Center actually needs the winger who actually understands him in in such a way that he can. But I mean, if Kolkovfeld is open and he can score, then there is always someone that Hughes can pass, and that's the thing. Like you know, we we always kind of over. I wouldn't say overvalue, but you know, we we tend to want to value centers higher
2: at all yeah, times. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But when it comes to duos, you need that. Okay, well, one thing that I'll say here, and I I'd love to go through my records and go find it because. I was working for a former employer at the time, but when Cole Caulfield got drafted, John Warblowski, who I don't know if you guys remember correctly, but um, the U.S. National Development Squad, like they, they had something like 12 guys going the first round. right? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. Caulfield was like number six or seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he came right after Cam York there. Remember? Yeah. Remember the only thing like- I
1: remember from that draft is the Philadelphia fans thinking of getting
2: Caulfield. And then, then yeah, from the U.S. National developments, yeah, they're like, "Woo, woo, life is great. They're like, "Eh, Cam York, like, oh, oh, was it? Yeah, it was Cam York right before. And then, right before, and then there was Spencer Knight before that. There was Matthew Bolton, who I think is going to be really good. There was Zegras, who's also going to be very good. Suckat, eh, not that great. And obviously, Jack Hughes. All this to say, John Roblofsky totally interrupted our scrum, which a lot of uh, the uptight, uh, uh, like, uh, update journalists to self-important journalists who a lot of American are our colleagues. And I'll tell this to their face. They think they're way too important for this. They were so pissed off that this guy was trying to push through. And we were about to witness one of the most amazing moments is that he just grabbed Caulfield and he hugged him so hard. He's like, I'm so fucking happy. for." Oh, sorry. I'm so bleeping happy for you, man. Like you're going to be a star. It's what he just told me. He's like, I'm so... And he didn't do this for anyone else, but he, he went right through after all those guys got drafted, he went straight to Cole Caulfield. So I being... You know, I didn't want to fight with the crowd to ask these terrible questions about Ca- to Caulfield. You know, the generic stuff like how long are you gonna, how long will it be until you learn French, that kind of garbage. So I went to John roblowski and I'm like, why were you so happy? He's like, watch him. He's gonna be the best of the bunch, man. He's gonna be the best of the bunch. I'm telling you right now. I'm like, yeah, but he needs a guy like Hughes, eh? And he looks at me. He's like, well, I'll tell you this right now. Go look at those goals and tell me who was more important in all of them. I'll tell you right now, more than 50% of the time, Cole Caulfield started those plays. Yes, Hughes did the last pass, but Caulfield was one that starts. He said he doesn't just finish the plays. He starts the plays. You need a guy in the middle to help that, but Cole Caulfield is not just a goal scorer. He drives the offense, and uh, I think that's why Warblovsky was so happy to see him go top 15 because he knew this kid has all the potential in the world like and it's been hard right we don't want to be too excited about him but man like he makes it difficult for us not to be excited you know what i mean yeah he didn't just force the Habs to put him in the lineup in the playoffs which is unheard of i mean we saw what happened to romanoff and i was okay with that that's normal for guys that age but right now like you know maybe zegras has a chance trevor zegra but the calder trophy people are giving it to him already and it's it's not because they're exaggerating. Like this kid has been dominant and his underlying numbers, fantastic as well. But it's also it's also so fun because I remember
0: draft night 2019 and um my friend was visiting me in Rome at the time and he's a Rainers fan, and they had the second overall pick, and he was really excited about that because they were gonna get Yusor or and then they got Kako, and you know he was happy about that but then you know I started saying like what if Cole Caulfield drops to 15 where Montreal was going to pick right and he was just like yeah that's not going to happen I mean, just like you know pick after pick went by and Roberg went and and uh, Victor Soderstrom went and Baldy went and, and Spencer
1: yeah, on, Knight the went and all of a sudden the winner next year went because it's going to be more exciting
2: yeah, yeah, I was just yeah. Gonna say six. Siderway, was but a, he's yeah. he's pretty darn good. But so yeah, in is. my opinion. Stuff cut went fifth, and you're like, what's going on here? Yeah, but it, it were a lot of surprises. We weren't
0: expecting Kirby Doc to go at three. Then he he's been great. Like I afterwards. was expecting By- you know, like, Byram to maybe go at three. But yeah, yeah I was exactly. expecting Turco to go at three. But you know that was a miscalculation. Um, but then it was just like when. The Canadians got Caulfield at fifteen, and like I was expecting them as well to maybe wanting Cam York if they had the selection of Cam York. Or I think Cole they Caulfield, might have gone for York. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like they wanted a defense. And also, prospect. let's keep
2: this in mind, Anton. Sorry to cut you off, but the players were or fans, and I think management were kind of sick of picking that young, small guy that was skilled. They wanted, you know what I mean. But you just couldn't. Like I think the Habs. It's because they fell in his lap. Ideally, I don't know if they wanted a Caulfield because again, yeah, he's small and the Habs had a bit of a size issue and a bit of a size insecurity. That being said, um, I mean, you know, he stood taller than almost everyone in the playoffs. And I think that says a lot about Cole Caulfield. Yeah, but
0: that was the fun thing as well. When when I sat there like on draft night, I think I was the happier of us too. He had like my friend had just, you know, got the second pick in the draft and everything. But like it just felt like such a. such a blessing to get that kind of a goal scorer who had just 15. put up seven, yeah a 72 goals and just like this is only because he's 57 obviously but then we had just saw uh, we had just seen Alex De Brinkett put up huge numbers in in uh, in Chicago as well so it's just like well you know like and obviously you couldn't know but it was just the feeling was just there that well this yeah. could actually be something special because <laughs> at 15 normally like who, who went to 15 normally you year?
2: get you get like a 50 shot of him being an okay nhl player at 15. exactly you know like, I mean? maybe maybe that's high probably like high. you
0: can get a jacob Sporel at 15 or like yeah yeah you know, yeah, yeah in yeah. that draft it was actually i, I think it was um uh, Barzal, who, who went to 15, so that was a pretty good pick, but yeah, but yeah, like it's, it's normally a crapshoot when you come down to like in the middle of the it's first 50, round, 50. yeah, more or less, yeah. yeah. But even if you get 50 50, even if you get like a good NHL player, it doesn't normally turn out to be something you
2: know that can be changing for your franchise, yeah, it's normally yeah exactly. Like at, whereas you get a top, Cole Caulfield team, is man. a game breaker, he's a game changer exactly. that the Canadians have been looking for since Guy Lafleur. I'll make this quite clear. The Canadians have never even I'll say this even more and I, I know that I'm hyping I'm hyping them so much, but Guidafra did not have Cole Caulfield's talent. Obviously it was a different league, a different era, you know, 50 years ago really now if we look at it. Um but the Canadians have been looking for a guy with this kind of game breaking talent for the longest time and he fell into their laps because of everyone else's inability to take advantage of a market inefficiency. I think that's really uh, what it comes I down think to. You,
1: you, but, but yeah we, we speak about this but you have to give credit to to Detroit that started all of this